0: Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, Episode 103, Space Tourism and Commercialization. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, NASA scientists, engineers, astronauts, all to let you know the coolest information about what's going on right here at NASA. So on June 7th, 2019, NASA announced a new directive that further opens up the International Space Station for commercial use. This means a really brand new way that business is done in space. And it widens the possibilities for commercial companies to explore different markets, to manufacture goods, to test their own habitable structures, to conduct marketing and sponsorship activities, and to send more people to space through space tourism and private astronauts. This announcement was a big deal for us because it's a significant shift from how we normally do things. But why do this at all? Well, NASA is going full speed ahead to make a landing of the first woman and the next man on the moon a possibility. And developing a robust economy in low Earth orbit, or basically creating a space in space for companies to succeed, is a good way to make that happen. Developing this economy with many companies means NASA can focus its resources on moon exploration. We'll still need low-Earth orbit, but with this model, we can purchase services from companies in low-Earth orbit at a much lower cost than doing everything ourselves. Because the ultimate goal would be to be one of many customers in a self-sustaining economy. The idea here is not to make money or reduce costs, just to enable this to happen. But really, this is all just skimming the surface. This announcement was densely packed with tons of details and nuances. So today, we'll be talking more in-depth about these efforts on the International Space Station with our guest, Mike Reed. He's the Commercial Space Utilization Manager for the International Space Station program here in Houston. Mike is great at explaining all of this in a way that makes sense, so I was excited to bring him on. So here's everything about space tourism, commercialization, and marketing with Mr. Mike Reed. Enjoy. Minus five seconds Mark. Mike, uh, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Well, thanks for inviting me to do this. I, uh... you've been waiting a long time for this to happen and i know just back and forth from the time that we've been working together this is this idea of commercialization has is not new we've been we've been working on it for a while right uh actually we've been working on it longer than i even thought wow so
1: this this goes all the way back into the days of shuttle where we launched uh, commercial communication satellites we flew payload specialists from hughes gregory jarvis who who passed away on 51l uh, was a commercial astronaut maybe the first commercial astronaut and then uh, in the 90s, we flew space missions on shuttle. I think we flew about a dozen, at least, of those. Um, through the MIR program as well shuttle mirror and then we've been doing commercial research uh, in space for all of that time and through the 2000s to to date we've had a number of commercial companies especially since we started
0: the national lab back in 20 2011 started operating it for commercial purposes and i think that's important to know this is this is something that's existed for a long time the idea of commercialization i think some of the more some of the things we've been announcing recently are a little bit new and we can go into those later but um give us kind of more of a, that historical perspective what is what is the traditional model of how we've been working with these commercial companies like you've been saying over the past couple decades
1: well <clears throat> so the traditional model of research is government funded okay. really i mean it's through academia through um uh through other government agencies where we we issue grant announcements and we select peer-reviewed science and we go do it um the commercial aspect of it is is uh, is different in that it's more towards improving products or developing products, uh, perhaps. Uh, Procter Gamble's been doing uh, research on colloids, which are the uh, uh, micro-elements inside of a fluid um, to keep things from separating, keeps your your uh, ketchup from having water and tomato sauce oh. on the shelf, right, for instance. But they've been doing colloids for probably about 15 years with us. Um, Merck is now doing uh, um protein crystal growth, we've got uh, pharmaceutical companies doing rodent research, um, so it's really, it's really grown to where they're covering their costs, whereas before it was grant funded. Um, we still help them with the implementation partner costs because it's expensive to adapt uh, a research investigation from terrestrial to space, and so we, we help with that, help them to prove that there's goodness in doing research in, in space. And that that's a totally different model than the traditional grant-funded model.
0: Yeah, and a lot of this is a lot of this through the um, ISS National Lab. It is okay. So where does where does that come in? The the difference, I guess, for those who don't may not understand the difference between ISS National Lab and research like you're talking about and some of the stuff that NASA's doing. So so NASA we go by what we call the decadal surveys, and so that. That,
1: uh, it's, it's done as it's suggested about every 10 years, and it influences the kind of research that, that uh, um, the community believes we ought to be tackling and funding, so we have our own fundamental and applied research interest and that's that's half of all of the research that we do the other half falls under the national lab which is other government agencies doing things similar to NASA but driven by different goals um, it's academia and then it's most importantly the commercial sector so companies that want to do research to help their product development would come in through the national lab and that's the other half of all the research
0: yeah it's it's the idea that the International Space Station is a laboratory in and of itself but the difference is that you take microgravity out of the equation and there's a lot of things that you can figure out by, by doing so.
1: Yeah sometimes it it, uh, it speeds things up sometimes it slows things down so hmm. the, the colloidal separation in gravity is much quicker. It's, it's minutes um, because of the gravitational pull but in space it's days and so when you slow down that that uh, sedimentation you can really see the interactions between the, the different uh, Uh, elements that are within those fluids, for instance. Um, flames are totally different. There's there's no convection, so heat doesn't rise in space, and so a flame is much more uniform, and it's uh it's it's much different studying things like that in space with without the gravitational pull.
0: Yeah, and a lot of this, uh, like you're saying, is is for researching, is for figuring out what exactly is happening. Then later down the road, the idea is to commercialize something that you have figured out through that research.
1: The, on the commercial side, it, it would be. I mean, mm-hmm. their goals are going to be whatever their business model says they should be right Right. and so if they can if they can find a way to build a product um, that that, uh, doesn't separate meaning it doesn't look um, it doesn't look as attractive to a potential purchaser on a a store shelf well that's to their benefit or if they can figure out elements of muscle wasting or uh, you know um, bone deterioration that can lead to uh, a treatment for that then that would be in in a pharmaceutical company's interest. But doing things in space just allows you to take a little bit different approach than the long, traditional, Ten-year, twelve-year drug development um, program on the ground. Yeah,
0: I know definitely drug development is one of those areas that's <laughs> particularly interesting for for microgravity. But the going back to this this idea that commercial activity in space is not new. In fact, it's it's something that we've actually invested in, and it's become regular as part of operations. I know particularly is commercial cargo transportation. Mm-hmm. Now you know what we what used to be the space shuttle taking up. Uh, cargo to the International Space Station, now we have SpaceX Dragon, now we have Northrop Grumman's Cygnus, we have commercial vehicles as part of that. Was, was it partly the success of that program that kind of sparked this idea of, huh... Maybe commercialization in space can actually can actually be something we should look into.
1: Uh, I think that definitely is where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Um, what we did with the commercial cargo program, we first released an announcement in 2006 for that. <clears throat> I think the first actual cargo delivery was in 2012, so about a half a dozen years later. Commercial crew was announced in 2009. It fed off of how we what we learned and how we did commercial cargo. Um, But but I think all of those were were set in a different time when we knew shuttle was only going to fly so long. At the time, we didn't know when the last shuttle flight was going to be. But we also knew that doing this the traditional government uh, program way was probably not going to be affordable in the long term. So those were the first big steps was getting NASA away from... Paying for the, the vehicle, launching the vehicle, operating the vehicle, uh, it, it's a totally different model because our, our commercial partners now do that and will soon do that for crew.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's the commercial crew. We're talking SpaceX and Boeing developing crew capabilities. And that's obviously, you know, NASA's a big part of that because we want um, a ride to the International Space Station. But that idea of a commercial company, like you're saying, owning and operating their own vehicle, now it opens it up for more opportunities beyond just providing that service for NASA.
1: Well, <clears throat> and the next step, of course, is is a, a commercial destination. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what we really want to see. I mean, we're, we're always going to have a need to be in low Earth orbit. And the space station, for certain, is going to be the last U.S. government-driven platform in low-Earth orbit. It's just it's, it's not affordable to, to sustain a government program when you want to go do a deep space or a moon mission.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an important thing. And, and, and I definitely want to get into the nitty-gritty of especially the recent uh, commercial and marketing policies that have come out. Um, but, you know, going, to, going back to the general idea— Um, This is something that's important, right? Why is it important to allow business opportunities in low-Earth orbit?
1: Well, it's self-serving. It's totally self-serving for us as an agency because we are always going to need a LEO platform, a low-Earth orbit platform. We're going to need to do our fundamental and applied research. We're going to need to do crew training and proficiency because we're not going to send a crew to the moon on their very first mission. It's just not going to happen. we're we're always going to need to test new systems because systems and fluids they operate differently in microgravity than they do in 1G and we've learned so much about what we didn't know uh, by running systems over long periods of time on space station so it's a it's a commercial uh, and business test bed but it's also critical to us in our in our exploration needs so given that ISS will be the last government Driven program, and given we're always going to need to have a place in LEO, if there isn't other demand for this, we're stuck holding the bag for the entire operating cost of whatever the next destination looks like. And that's not tenable either. So we are doing this in our own best interest to help companies leveraging the assets of the space station to help them see if there's a business model in space, whether it be for. Tourism, for marketing, uh, for for uh, cell line development, personalized medicine, um, pick it in space manufacturing. We we don't know, but we're, we we want to enable them to try out those ideas and see if there's. Uh, if there's goodness in doing things in microgravity, if there is, then those kind of things are scalable. They'll need a good bit of the next destination in space. And that way we become one of many customers rather than the only customer. Yeah.
0: Which is critical to our ability to continue to afford to
1: do exploration.
0: Yeah, which is at the at the very <coughs> core of the reason why this policy change is more of that enabling part. The idea is to is to at least make available the opportunity for an economy to grow and and become some something robust so that we can get to that point like you're saying one of many customers
1: so policy was 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 a big change in direction for us it's been as you mentioned at the outset it's been a a lot of years coming um uh, and frankly it's taken uh administration the hill it's taken a lot of people to to nudge us in that direction telling us it's okay this is this is what we want to see you do um and so the policy was was developed over uh, uh, over a number of years, but it all kind of came together in the last year. So it's 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 really different for us You know, the Russians have done spaceflight participants uh, a number of those um, back uh, in, in the 2000s when they were doing those it was difficult for us because it was an interruption in our mission and mm. I mean, It was it was an interruption in a day-to-day ops on station and and frankly we we weren't Enamored of it at all to, to, to say the least um, But we did a bunch of commercial studies last fall and one of the things that they they all pointed out, virtually all of them pointed out was that you know allowing private astronauts, tourists to professional astronauts from other countries uh, to access space station was a big uh, portion of revenue that could close a business model
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and that was part of those studies that, and you kind of listed off a couple of them already. You talked about uh, in-space manufacturing, you talked about drug development. These are some of the areas where we said, as NASA, hey, commercial sector, hey, hey, private sector, if you were to make money in space, where would be your opportunities? And I guess, yeah, space tourism, space flight participants, is is, uh, is a big place for a commercial sector to thrive.
1: And we came, we, we came full circle on this one you know we, we not only does it help stimulate demand mm-hmm. for a, a platform but it also drives demand for the access to space transportation which the more you sell of anything economies of scale will tell you the cheaper it's going to get, which benefits us as as well. So uh, that was uh, that was a very important uh, aspect of, of deciding to allow these standalone,
0: private astronaut missions to to exit space station yeah yeah and and that's part of the economy is it, it up front it's going to be it's it's going to be a little bit more difficult but eventually the idea is the more frequent it becomes the and the more regular it becomes uh the cheaper it'll get which is huge for us and i think you, you mentioned cost already cost i think is probably one of the one of the greater barriers to entry for a company to start becoming um uh, to, uh i guess commercial or profitable in space right well
1: yeah access to space is the long pole in the tent yeah Uh, the cost the cost of doing business in space the biggest the biggest cost is is access so um, uh, one of the things we we rolled out in our commercial strategic plan uh, a couple of weeks ago was um, a solicitation looking for ways to drive down that very thing the the cost of getting to space so we'll see what what uh, the private sector has you know has in mind for how we could tackle that how we as a government agency doing things that are inherently governmental that we can bring a special project together uh to to maybe drive down uh whatever whatever the technologies are that make this so difficult maybe it's supply chain management we we, we don't know maybe it's uh financial incentives to do business in space that don't exist right now so we have multiple government agencies working with us the faa uh, commerce and, and others are all they're all on board and and wanting to uh wanting to help enable this because they recognize it's not just a nasa thing it's it's a u.s thing
0: yeah yeah very much so so let's go into the nitty-gritty let's talk about what um Let's talk about what has been announced uh, most recently. I think uh, one of the top things is, is just the policy itself on on commercial activities and what can what now can and cannot be done uh, regarding commercial activities and the time allocation that we're dedicating to doing that so what's what's happening there so we've, we've never
1: allowed marketing on the ISS. Um, it, uh, other other countries have done it. The Japanese have done it. The Russians have done it. ESA has done it. The European Space Agency. Uh, we've we've never participated in that, and, and uh, there's there's been reasons for it because we had a, uh, a research mission, right? And we had a systems development mission, but we also recognize that it, it uh, it's important to us to enable it because there might be additional demand. For space, as I said earlier, so we're going to allow um, some some marketing activities that are um, revolve around things that are being done up there already. Let's say let's let's take Procter and Gamble. They've mm-hmm. been doing colloids research on the space station for years. If they wanted to do a a, a marketing campaign using some of our cameras on on space station and showing their hardware, talking about it, our crew can't be in that. We we don't we can't in seem, be seen to endorse things. Mm-hmm. But we can be operating a camera and we can downlink the data to them and, and that's not a problem But because that's tied to something that they're doing on Space Station. Um, when private astronauts are up there, they'll be able to go one step further, which is do things such as marketing of products that don't have anything to do with things going on on Space Station. So if, if McDonald's wanted to do uh, an advertisement filmed in space, those private astronauts could do that. Our crews cannot but they could and so that's such a huge shift that, that we're we've come out and said now m- not only are we not going to fight this but we're actually going to announce that we're going to enable it which i think is pretty cool
0: enable it and dedicate time to it i think that's a big that's a big part of this whole thing is um you said you know why why couldn't we do some of these activities before is because we had a research mission and if you wanted to do something else besides that research that's time that's time that you're taking away from research. Um, now we're actually using a part of NASA's time to actually do that—to pick to have an astronaut pick up a camera and film something, or to do something like that.
1: We we have set, we still have a research mission. We always will. Sure. Um, we uh, crew time has been and likely will be again one of our our limiting resources. Um, but we felt it was equally important to help stimulate uh, a nascent demand for Leo that we'd never tried before. So we've, we've set aside about 90 hours a year uh, for these commercial marketing activities. Um, and, uh, and we've set aside some, some uh, kilograms of, of upmass to, to support whatever their needs might be as well as small. Um, it's about 5% of what we have available to us. So it, it doesn't impact our research. The crews do a marvelous job of getting more time in than what, what we actually schedule for them. They work, they work Saturdays quite often, they work long days. So it really, it will not impact our research mission but
0: it's it's equally important to see if if, if this can develop. Mm-hmm. So at least we're you know we're we're dedicating that time, and I think that's that's the majority of the commercial <laughs> and marketing activities is saying that this is something that we're going to allow. And it's a big it's a big um, uh, I guess caveat what you said between what a NASA astronaut can do. Um, it has to be related to space. Uh, and it you can't have the astronaut in front of the camera Correct. personally endorsing anything. A little bit more freedom when it comes to private astronauts, which like you said, space tourism, space flight participants, this is a big um, this is a big commercial opportunity. So what's what's happening there in the world of private, private astronaut? How is it all going to work with, uh, the, I guess, the difference between... Uh, that's, a, that's a big question I know that that we're getting in our office is, you know, how does this work? What do you have to do to become a private astronaut? you have to train? You, which companies do you go for? What, what do you ride on? You know, how's this all working? But the, the beautiful part about it
1: is it's all business to business. Yeah. So we, we have to enable them on our side. There's a lot of things that we have to do, but we've pointed them to, to the two... Crew providers, crew vehicle providers that we have already or will have already flight certified once they fly. That's Boeing and SpaceX. Mm -hmm. If another one develops and we certify it, then, well, okay, we got three of them now. But they have to go to a U.S. provider. Um, We'll get away from uh, our citizens paying for a ride on a Russian Soyuz uh, vehicle, which doesn't do our economy any good. Um, we, We will have to work them into the flight plan. Um, so it's probably um, for training purposes it just entirely depends on what they want to do. If mm. they if they're, if they're um, a country that doesn't have a, uh, a presence on the ISS now that wants a space program, the, they could have selected one of their, astronauts had become what we would call a sovereign astronaut. They could train professionally, just like our crew does, to be able to do research and, and other things on board. They wouldn't need to know how to operate the systems, because that's what, that's what our crew and, and the Russians crew and our partner crew do. But uh, that, that could be easily a two-year program mm-hmm. to, to train. Um, and it's probably that long for us to get it in and in planned in, in the flight sequence anyway uh, to accommodate. them. we think we can accommodate maybe two of these a year, Less than 30 days, any longer than that, you start getting into some medical uh, requirements and, and exercise requirements and things that are gonna be hard for us to accommodate because our crews have subscribed that. But if you wanna go up there and be a space flight participant, what we call space tourist, uh, it could be a lot less time than that. We, we teach you how to use the comm system, uh, uh, the, uh, the internet, satellite phone, if you're gonna use that, um, how to use the galley and the waste and hygiene compartment, and and what not to touch here here and here right um, so that's a lot less time than what it would be if you're going to go up there and you're going to operate as one of our crew would operate
0: yeah the i i mean the idea is no matter what there's going to be some training involved absolutely uh, at the very bare minimum you have to know how to work stuff and yeah. then in the event of an emergency you have to know how to properly get out exactly
1: of it. and you know training using our emergency equipment would be another thing that they would do maybe a bit of the medical uh, but but it'd be minimal
0: yeah but the idea is the now we're we're at least opening up the international Space Station, allowing the commercial and marketing activities um, uh, enabling the uh, space tourism and and private astronauts, more professional astronauts, depending on the training um, but this this whole idea of destinations, and I think this is a very exciting one uh, like you said, it, you know this international space Station is not going to be there forever. Let's develop this 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 space, this leo low Earth orbit. Uh, where there can be commercial destinations uh, flying, and the idea is we are enabling the ability to test those things. So, what's a what's a destination? I think that's a that's something that we kind of throw out there, but it might not be kind of something that people really grasp to yeah,
1: A destination could be a, a commercial module, a commercial mm-hmm. element on the space station, um, which I'll come back to in a minute. Yeah. It could also be a free flying platform. It might be in proximity. To the space station, so that it could take advantage of the cargo vehicles that are already going to space station. Maybe, maybe they visit space station and then they visit uh, the free flyer, the commercial commercial free flyer, and then and then uh, you know come back uh, and return. Or uh, uh, it, it, it could look like several of those. I mean, we're going to always have a need for, for space, and so we want that platform. Whether it's tested on ISS and then separates, or whether it goes direct to free, free fleet flyer. <laughs> it's easy for me to say whether it goes direct or free flyer it doesn't really matter as long as it c- is capable of functioning and providing the research accommodations that we need mm-hmm. so that, that's the long-term goal um, part of that part of the uh, strategic plan rollout out the, uh, the other week was to enable both of those things and those solicitations should be hitting the street uh, this week uh, to to announce that we're we're soliciting uh, proposals to put a commercial module on the Node 2 forward port of the ISS to extend that, uh, it would operate as an element of ISS, but it would have um, different uh, rules of the road, if you will, on things that they can do inside, especially with the with private crew, uh, such as those pure marketing activities that we were talking about, which. Sure. Uh, that, that's probably gonna be the easiest thing to enable because it doesn't really require any other equipment other than whatever props they're gonna use in, in in the spot, right? Hmm. Uh, our our uh, video equipment, our, our uh, cameras and all that are, are on board and, and they can be used for that. So either one of those uh, are important. Um, and, and like I said, those will
0: eventually provide the services that we require. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, um we don't know exactly what that destination what that commercial module could look like, so let us know what you think would be a commercially viable thing that's the the what we're kind of requesting there
1: and that's that's pretty much the case we we'll, we've part of the part of the rollout the other week was we quantified what our long term needs were going to be in in low earth orbit and companies can look at that and say okay what what of those things does it make sense for me to try to provide so that i can get the government as a customer because they but other studies we did they not all of them but most of them need the government as a primary customer in some way shape or form the ones that have business models that look like they could work have us as maybe Maybe a, a large customer, but not the majority customer. Um, other ones that need us as eighty, ninety percent customer is probably not um probably not very uh, attractive to us. Uh, same reason that you don't want to be the only uh, big box store to mall and have everything be empty because you're going to pay the whole cost of the operating the mall. We don't want to do that, and that's mm-hmm. that's just not that's that's not a good recipe for a
0: robust economy in Lower Mm-hmm. So, who can participate in this? I know this. This is another big question that we've been we've been getting a lot. Is um, I I believe it's this is a U.S. (coughs) company endeavor. So, it's so when when we're talking about all these different commercial companies (coughs) that can do this, that, and the other thing, this is this is a U.S. company thing.
1: Absolutely, is. I mean, the American taxpayers have put billions of dollars into developing and operating and doing research on space station. the creation of the National Lab was to start providing some um, return to the U.S. economy in the form of commercial research on space station. That was important. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the long haul, we're going to enable, the, the, using the resources that we have rights to, we, NASA, have rights to on station, we're going to enable a broader participation by the U.S. economy, U.S. commercial sector, um, in developing these elements in, in doing uh, scaled, scalable research on ISS and, and in developing the free-flying platforms.
0: Yeah, but that's not to say that, you know, the customers don't necessarily have to be US, it's it's the it's the businesses themselves. So like you're saying, for the example of private astronauts, if a company, if a, if a different country wants to have their, a representative of their country as the first astronaut from whatever country it may be, they would just have to go through these US companies to make that happen.
1: That's absolutely true. We've got commercial companies that own and operate their own Hardware on space station right now huh. that bring in uh, users, researchers from all around the world. Um, Nanoracks located right right here in, in Houston. Um, they did a uh, they've done investigations for I, I don't know how many countries, but they, they had a Beijing Institute of Technology investigation last year. They had uh, Vietnam uh, schools in Vietnam have done research on there. They've deployed cubesats for other countries. So it's it's happening right now. It's just we're scaling it up in 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 size
0: yeah so let, let's look a little bit towards the uh, towards the future because the, i think that'll kind of lay out what the ultimate goal is um, you know we talk about developing this ro- robust economy in low earth orbit let's just say let's just say timeline x and at the, let's go to the very end of that the art we have completed all of our mission what does low earth orbit look like in this scenario
1: and in, in the best case there's multiple destinations operated commercially that each can satisfy some of NASA's needs for systems development, crew training, and research. Um, two or more, let's put it that way. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's going to be an expensive environment to sustain a business model in. But if it's a it's a multifaceted business model, it's probably got the most likelihood of success
0: and uh, for for sustainability. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. Is is the the destinations are commercially operated nasa is doesn't have a thing in space but we are purchasing services that already exist we're purchasing transportation we're purchasing capabilities yep. on board the destination yep. and the idea i think is because we're focusing a little bit farther out that's exactly right We we want to go back to the moon
1: mm-hmm. we've been given a charge to do that by 2024 which is going to be very aggressive but uh it's going to be very exciting um, we have got to be able to utilize space station so companies can learn to do business and then they can sell business, sell services to us. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the end goal. We have to be able to do that. When Back in the 1870s, we built the transcontinental railroad. The government had a need for something but didn't have the funds to do it. So private companies, consortia built that from east to west, west to east, and they met in the middle. We, we backed it with bonds, promises to pay, right? And we gave away resources. We gave away land for every mile of track. We're doing the same thing with, with space station in low-Earth orbit. We have a need to see destinations appear in space, for, as I said, for our own self-interest and long-term needs, and we're giving away resources. We're giving away the upmass and the crew time and the power and data and the on-orbit volume and all of that because it makes sense to do it.
0: Yeah, and, the and- transcontinental railroad of low-Earth low orbit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I, one of the one of the other I think good benefits of of doing this, especially in low Earth orbit, especially with the International Space Station, is it's it. I think it's a good representation. It's a good model for what we can do again on the Moon. Uh, international Space Station. We've been working with international partners. We're working with commercial companies. It's not new. We're we're doing it, and we're getting pretty good at it. I think. So I think using low Earth orbit as a test which has been the re- the purpose of low earth orbit really is to test different capabilities yeah. and systems um you can take a lot of those same concepts and apply that to the moon the administrator has already talked about working with commercial companies to actually make this moon landing and a this artemis program a success it's 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 something that's needed
1: yeah well the administrator has multiple degrees in in Business and finance, so it's not uh, it's not a surprise that he is on board with this commercialization uh,
0: this commercialization effort. <laughs> uh, well, Mike, I think that's a very good um, snapshot, really, um, and 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 just in-depth description of all of this low Earth orbit commercialization efforts. It's a very exciting time, and a uni- unique model for the way that we're actually doing human space exploration. So, I really appreciate your time.
1: You bet. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out going forward.
0: Hey, thanks for sticking around. I hope you really enjoyed this discussion with Mike Reed. He did a great job, I think, of explaining everything about that went into not just this announcement, but a little bit of the history of all the commercial activity that's been happening in space over these past couple decades. But if you really want to know more about this Announcement specifically and everything that has to do with it there is a lot of information and we made it all available online it's on nasa.gov slash leo leo dash economy if you go to that site you can really dig into uh all the different elements uh of what's gone on uh I guess, because of this announcement, and then all the opportunities that are available uh, for you to do on board the International Space Station. Otherwise, if you're curious on what is the International Space Station, I hope you check out some of our other podcasts that really go into depth there. But otherwise, you can just go to nasa.gov ISS. Check out our International Space Station and NASA Johnson Space Center pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show. Make sure to mention it is for Houston. We have a podcast. This episode was recorded on June 18th, 2019. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Norm Moran, and Pat Ryan. Thanks again to Mr. Mike Reed for coming on the show. We'll be back next week.